Welcome to localjobnetwork.com radio. You are locked in to Minding Your P's and Q's, where we take a look at the often precarious elements of etiquette across the business and employment landscape. I'm your host, Tim Muma. American workers in general are currently navigating a seemingly hazardous environment when it comes to finding and keeping jobs that fulfill their needs. Thus, individuals fortunate enough to have solid positions often overlook their other opportunities. However, people already successfully entrenched in the workforce are the ones that are targeted by recruiters and hiring managers. Jerry Land, owner of J.P. Land and known as the Headhunter, is with us from Cincinnati, Ohio to dive into the subject of passive candidates and recruiters. Jerry, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, guest. First of all, so people have an idea of where you're coming from, if you could describe a little bit your experiences sort of in this world and really what you do now as well. Well, I've been uh, a headhunter for almost 12 years. I started back in March of 2001. And uh, as a headhunter, what I do, well, it's probably easy to say what I don't do is I don't find jobs for people. I actually find people for jobs. So it's it's kind of the opposite of what most people think a recruiter does. Mm-hmm. So that's basically, that's basically what I do. So in essence, you when you're targeting people, you're looking at those that are, are currently employed. Is that correct? Yes, absolutely. Why then is that the preferred strategy? Well, see, the my clients pay my fees. These are the companies who are, uh, you know, hiring my services to help them find people. So I have to be able to help them find, recruit, and hire people that they wouldn't be able to land on their own. Mm-hmm. So these are professionals who are focused on being successful at their current company than they are looking for a new opportunity. These are essentially what we call a passive candidate. And that's, I think, a key difference here. You know, you, you as you mentioned, the, the passive candidate idea that someone who's not out there searching for jobs and, and you know getting their, themselves out there necessarily, you're going to find them. So in terms of this passive candidate, how are they different when you're looking at them or, or even their perception or the desirability that an employer might have in, in one of these people, as opposed to someone who is, you know, sending in their resume or trying to make contacts that way? I mean, they're all people, um, regardless of their situation. So I wouldn't really say that they're different. The way to go about recruiting these people are extremely different. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say that's really where the main differentiator is. The reason why I focus on passive candidates is, uh, you know, let's say there's a sales management opening and there's a pool of, let's say, 50 potential candidates that are qualified to do, to do the job. So out of these 50 candidates, maybe five are unemployed. And those, those would be the active candidates. So the question is, what about the other 45? Mm-hmm chances are the best person for the job is one of those passive candidates. So with that said, they're also the hardest to engage and recruit. Well, and that's one of the things, you know, obviously with these candidates that are considered passive, they're probably comfortable in their position. They're fine where they are. As you said, they're not actively searching for something. So if they were to get a phone call from someone like you, why exactly wouldn't they take that call, even though it might be another job opportunity? It's all about leverage. It's about having an open mind without any distractions or, or without really having a craving. You know, a passive candidate must be courted by the company that's recruiting them since they're the one with the need, the company is. Mm-hmm. When you're applying for a job, you know, the applicant is really courting the company. The rules are changed. From the employer's point of view, they have the leverage when it comes to someone applying to them. Uh, when dealing in a, with an applicant, you know, they're going to have immediate questions that come to mind from an employer, such as why is this person unhappy in their current situation and will that mean they're going to be unhappy here? You know, if the applicant is unemployed, who in their right mind leaves a position without, without having another uh, job lined up? Sure. And if, if the person's so good, why did the company decide to let him go? From the very get-go, it puts the employer in defensive mode to protect, it, to protect against a bad hire. So really, it's, it comes down to 
it's I kind of consider it to be very similar to going to the grocery store when you're hungry, <laughs> you know, because you're going to end up making food choices that are based on your emotion to satisfy that hunger. So you may walk out with ice cream and all kinds of things that aren't really in your best long term interest. Um, I think it's pretty much the same as if you only have an open mind when you're discontent where you are, you're, you're, pro, you know, it makes things look more attractive than re- what they really are. Right. Well, let's talk about that a little bit, because as you said, if, if somebody is a, in a comfortable position, uh, you know, their perception's a little bit different and maybe they are looking at, at different things. Um, if you're talking to them, what, what would you say that they should be asking about? Because they're not just searching for a job. Now they're, they'd probably be looking for something more, some sort of growth, development, that sort of thing. Um, what's the difference there when, with a passive candidate, what they might be looking for, especially because they're in a place where they're, they're probably comfortable? The people that I deal with, um, you know, they're very ambitious, career-driven individuals. Mm-hmm. You know, they want to get ahead. And in order to do that, they typically have a goal in mind of, of where they want to go with their career. It's different things for different people, but it could be a new challenge. It could be that, you know, their current situation is, has become stagnant. Uh, it could be, you know, a different industry. You know, it's different things for, for different people. But really, when they get that call initially from a recruiter, it should be more about just having an open mind mm-hmm. and, and just, you know, connecting with that recruiter, not necessarily even talking about a specific job yet, but really what it is to that individual, what they consider career growth. And then if that recruiter has an assignment that would help them get closer to that, you know, in a, in a faster way than where they currently are, then that's what the conversation should be about. So then when, when a recruiter like yourself, you're, you're, uh, if you're contacting someone like that, do you have in your mind what this person might be interested in? I mean, is there that sort of research at, at the front or is it more just getting that conversation and then you find out? How does that work? Well, you know, when I call someone, typically I have a name and a phone number. Mm-hmm. Uh, they may be referred to me, but I don't want to do too much homework on them because I don't want to make any assumptions going into that call. Right. It's a very intimate conversation, if you will, but it's it it depends. It really depends um, on the person. If I, but typically, no, I, I'm not going to make any assumptions. You know, not everyone wants to be a CEO of a company one day. Right. Uh, so typically, I don't have a clue. I mean, that's what that call should be about. Now, with these candidates, obviously, as we're talking about passive candidates, uh, you know, maybe they don't end up taking that position or exploring it too much more. Maybe you guys just have a couple chats, that sort of thing. Is there still a benefit for someone to take that call, even if in their mind they know they're going to stay where they are, they're they're content, uh, you know, the, the challenges are fine there? Is there still a benefit to taking that call and talking with recruiter about other positions? Well, first of all, I, I got to tell you, uh, almost every single person that I place tells me that initially <laughs> is I'm not looking, I'm happy right. where I am. And that's fine. I mean, I probably connect with about 15 new people a day in order for me to place one person. I have to have, you know, make over 200 new connections. So the chances of me having something for someone the day I call them is pretty much, I mean, it's not going to happen every time. Right. But here's the thing is if I can have a conversation and this is what I'm really looking for, where I really connect with that individual really get to understand where they're at professionally, where they want to go. I can obviously be an advocate, and I don't want to use the word agent, a career agent or anything like that, but this person, you know, I'm going to be able to help them eventually get to where they want to go. Mm-hmm. And the other thing about taking a call from a recruiter, even if it doesn't work out initially, is, you know, I'll tell people, hey, you're in a great position. You know, I'm glad I had the conversation with you. 
Uh, but based on what you're telling me where you're at right now, I don't have something that's going to really entice you. Sure. And, and they feel good. You know, they feel really <laughs> good. They hang up the phone and, and they're, you know, they go right back to work and, uh, you know, there's no harm done. And really they're, you know, it kind of rejuvenates them and, and it really, um, you know, makes them feel good about, Hey, you know, I've done, I'm really at the right place now. Then, you know, obviously things change. I think we all know that. So, so then with something like that, are you keeping in touch with them or do, has there been times when people have contacted you down the road and, and try to find a connection later or is it end there? I mean, how does that kind of typically work with you guys? Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't stay in touch with people because I'm too busy trying to fill the searches that I have with my clients. Right. And if they're not a fit, you know, I'm, I'm on the phone with people that are closer to the fit of, of the assignments that I have in front of me, but you better believe that I know who they are and mm. they're on my radar screen. Have people call me, you know, where I get off the phone with them, you know, if they tell me I'm not interested and, and they call me back out of the blue, they do. And typically I don't remember who they are <laughs> because they didn't have, they didn't make a connection with me. They just kind of blew me off, which is fine. You know, it happens and, and everyone's different. With all of this, obviously we're talking about people who have a current position. And I think there are people listening that would say, you know, their concern is just that in some way their, their current employer is going to find out that they are contacted and it's going to seem like they're unhappy and they, they're looking to leave their job and somehow it's going to impact where they currently are. What's your take on that? Uh, it's a legitimate concern, unfortunately. And uh, my take on it is don't let them find out. <laughs> <laughs> Good advice. Uh, yeah, it, it is. Um you know, number one, don't send a recruiter your resume unless you have unless you really trust this person. You know, as a recruiter, if I have your resume, you don't know where I'm going to send it. Mm -hmm. There are recruiters, and I've met them that will take a resume, and this isn't to scare everyone, but this is just to to help you prepare. You know, they'll take that resume and they'll shop it around, and and the reason they do that is they're trying to market for new clients. They really don't care about finding you a position; they're just using it to help expose them to, to, to different companies. So you got to be really careful who you send your resume to. So with that said, it's, you know, if a, if a recruiter calls and pitches jobs at, pitches a position to you and, and that's all they do, one, that's not a, a very good sign of a, of a good recruiter. Uh, but two, it's just too, it's too quick. You know, there's not enough trust there. There's not uh -huh. enough rapport. So I would really, if I got a call from a recruiter, I wouldn't be asking initially, I wouldn't be asking questions about the job. I wouldn't, I'd be asking questions about the recruiter. How did you get my name? Which is fine. Uh, you know, a lot of times I can't tell people that because it was a confidential referral. Mm -hmm. But how long have you been in the business, Jerry? This client, you know, your clients, can you tell me just in general about your clients and your relationships with them? Are you retained? Are you contingency? which are two different ways that uh, it's basically the involvement that a recruiter has with the company. You know, do you work directly with the hiring managers or do you work through HR? Uh, you know, things like that are going to tell you, uh, have you ever met your clients before? How well do you know the industries that you recruit in? Sure. Really, you should be qualifying the recruiter initially just to make sure this is somebody that you, you know, is credible. Go to LinkedIn, look at their profile, uh, you know, see if they have testimonials on there. Go to their website. Just by talking to the recruiter, you know, it should give you a pretty good feeling of whether or not you trust the person. So that would be one thing um, is just be careful where you send your resume. Two is before you even have a conversation, Google their name, you know, see what comes up. If nothing comes up, uh, may not be a good sign. 99% <laughs> of recruiters don't make it past their first year in the headhunting business. Hmm. So you got to figure a lot of the people that are calling you haven't been doing this very long. 
you know, it's a very high turnover uh, industry. So just do a little homework. Other things, don't uh, don't check your personal email while you're at work. If you're dealing with a recruiter, you know, do that stuff from home. Right. Do it from your do it from your mobile phone. Seems like common sense, but I imagine people, you know, whatever, desperate or, or they think it's fine and, and end up getting caught, so to speak, that way, I guess. Yeah. I mean, you know, the last thing you want to do is jeopardize your current situation. I mean, even when I call people, I call a lot of people at work because I don't have their home numbers right. because I'm, I'm calling to recruit them. But I block every single call that I put, you know, the star six, seven, because I don't want my phone number showing up on their on their company's uh, caller ID system. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't want anybody to get curious and call that number back and find out that I'm a headhunter. So, uh, I mean, so it's just taking precau- uh, precautions. So now, even if someone, OK, they're they're willing, they're exploring it a little bit. You know, some candidates are just going to think, is it really worth the risk for me to leave this position to see if this is a, a better fit or if there are more challenges, that sort of thing? And I, I hate to say playing it safe necessarily, but then that's sort of, you know, the the term that fits there. Do you have any advice in terms of, I know it's going to be individualized for every person, but I mean, what do you say to someone if they just are extremely, you know, um, determined to say, hey, this is, I, I just, I can't do it. I can't take that risk. I would, you know, th- the thing is nothing ventured, nothing gained. Mm-hmm. I mean, pl- playing it safe isn't really going to get you anywhere in life, nevertheless, your career. But it's typically it's funny because a lot of people are making these career decisions of not talking to a recruiter based off the lack of information. They're scared to even have a conversation. Uh You know, they're scared to make a move. You know, so it's 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 fear based. I understand that. But the thing is, is as you get more details, you know, just get the facts, make an educated decision as opposed to saying I'm happy where I am. I mean, why not compare it to something else? You know, and if it doesn't prove to be a step up for you in your career, then you don't do it. And if a recruiter is trying to, uh, you know, force something or or really trying to push for you to interview, they're not having your best interest in mind. They have their own best interest in mind. So really a good recruiter is going to have everyone's interest in mind, their own, obviously, you know, the individual, the recruiting and also the client who pays their fee. So they're going to try to make it a win for everyone. You touched on this a little bit earlier, the you know the uh, analogy of going shopping when you're hungry and sort of that, you know, I don't want to call it a desperate mentality, but it's obviously different than if you're comfortable in the position you're at. If someone is contacted and, and they are, maybe they're unhappy or they, they really are eager to get out of that situation, do you have some sort of tips or guidance in terms of still being cautious in terms of jumping on that opportunity because it might not be a good fit. And I know as a recruiter, that's that's your job to, to make sure that's going to work out on both ends. But what is sort of the uh, the danger, the caution that you would throw out there for people who maybe have a little more of that a desperate mindset? Well, number one is you got to make the, the most out of your current situation. Mm. Make sure you're continuing to perform at a high level. Don't forget that that's your, your number one job is where you are today. Um, because the better you do, the better you perform, the, the, the more opportunity it's going to expose you to elsewhere, the more marketable you're going to become. So that's the number one advice I would give, which really has nothing to do with actually, uh, you know, even looking at another opportunity. It's, it's make the most out of what you have today, mm-hmm. you know, be grateful and appreciative for what you have. And then, you know, the advice in terms of, uh, what was the other part of the question? Well, just in terms of, you know, being cautious in, in that, you know, you have this desperate mindset or eager mindset to get out. I mean, basic tip 
or advice to how do you handle that or how do you maybe control that a little bit so you're not going into some place that doesn't fit for you or for the the company obviously I really don't deal with that situation a lot okay. um, just in my own experience but I mean I can I guess the advice I would give to someone is just is just try to be as happy as you can now uh, and, and really try to be in a happy state of mind when you do evaluate that opportunity. Just sure. think to yourself, you know, if I was happy and content where I was today, how would this opportunity look like? You know, and uh, just really, it's funny because when you're applying for a job, a lot of people take the role as the applicant. You know, they let the company do all the questions. Mm-hmm. They don't actually ask the tough questions to the company. Why is the job open? Uh, you know, how have people progressed in your company? You know, is the company growing? They don't really, you know, they're really not qualifying the opportunity. They're just taking the role as, as the candidate. So uh, I guess my advice would be is just don't forget, you know, they're too busy selling themselves than they are thinking, you know, is this really the right opportunity for me? So I, I guess that's probably some good advice for someone. No, I think that's a great point. Like you said, when, when you're the applicant and you're just doing everything you can to sell yourself to someone else, you forget the other side of the ledger. And I, I think that's that's perfect in that realm. As a recruiter, then, when you are contacting a candidate, I mean, in general, is there something you're you're looking for? You're, you're trying to hear from them. I mean, again, I know it's going to determine on the position and, and what you're looking to fill, but is there sort of a general template that you're following that you're you're trying to discover about these people? Well, yeah, I mean, here's the thing with what I do is is I only recruit people that are in the top fifteen percent of their field. Okay. So I do a lot of I do a lot of uh, sales, sales management, and VPs. So. When I'm on the phone with them, I mean, really at the heart of it, what I really want to get to, and this may not happen in the first five or 10 minutes, okay? I mean, the first five or 10 minutes is just really making that person feel comfortable answering their questions, you know, and, and really engaging them in the conversation. But when it gets down to it, I want to find out what makes this person unique, mm-hmm. what separates themselves from, the, from their peers, you know, why, you know, what is, what skills do they have that... Uh, is going to be attractive to my clients. So really, when it comes down to it, I mean, that's what I get paid to do, is I get paid to separate those people that excel from those that are more mediocre in skill. Sure. But beyond that, it, it's really also understanding what makes this person tick, you know, what it is that they want to get out of their career. You know, if they want to work 20 hours a week, guess, I mean, you know, that I don't blame them, but they're just not <laughs> the right person for me to be recruiting. Right. You know, but, but it, it's important for me to know that. You know, and, and if I find that out on a call, it's a successful call, you know, for me and, and also probably for the individual. So now based on your experience, the, the people you've talked to, I mean, obviously you're, you're working with different organizations as well. The job situation for some people might be a little fleeting and unstable, that sort of thing. So have you noticed people are more willing, more eager to move on to a different place because who knows what's going to happen at their current organization so they see a new opportunity. I mean, do you see any change recently because of, you know, what's going on, what's going on really economically over the last few years? You know, surprisingly, uh, people will go down with the, uh, the ship, you know, when it hmm. sinks. They would rather uh, a lot. I mean, this is always the case, but it, it, I guess it just stands out to me because it, it, it's kind of surprising. Right. You know, a lot of what you're talking about is actually, you know, you're actually talking about making a change. And I think the biggest hurdle that passive candidates need to overcome is just having an open, frank discussion. Sure. You know, if you're happy, tell the recruiter why you're happy, you know, so they understand, you know, what makes you happy. Maybe they, they come across an opportunity that will increase that particular happiness and make you even feel more fulfilled 
than where you are today. You know, you talk about leverage before, and obviously the, the, the candidate being in that situation, as you said, maybe they say they're happy, that sort of thing. As a recruiter, then you hear that, they tell you why you're, why they're happy. How does that work in terms of them using that leverage when you, you know what's in play there, you know how the deal works? I mean, I guess it's hard to, to really articulate exactly that conversation, but how do you handle that when you know that they have the leverage essentially on you? Um, well, yeah, I, when I say leverage, I'm not talking about, hey, I have power over you and you have power over me. I'm talking about the leverage of, of being able to say no. You know, the, the leverage of, of having options, right? Uh, the leverage of, of being able to do what's really in your best interest. You know, that's kind of the leverage I'm talking about. So when you say the deal, I, I'm guessing you're probably talking about like comp, you know, financial stuff, that kind of thing. That does um, come to mind, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, you got to keep in mind, no one's trying to use leverage on, on anyone else. It, so the leverage that I'm referring to isn't, isn't uh, you know, leverage to get you know, to take a look at another opportunity. So your current company gives you a counter offer and you stay, right. you know, that's that, you know, I'm not, you know, it's not like a game like that, but, uh, so it's really the leverage of just, uh, being happy where you are if things don't work out or the recruiter doesn't, you know, have something that's, that's going to entice you. So that's really, that's really leverage. And that would be really the, I mean, the biggest difference between a, 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 pa- a truly passive candidate and someone who is actively looking, correct? Uh, which difference is that? In terms of having leverage, the ability to say no. If you're really looking, you're unhappy, or especially if you're unemployed, you're going to take pretty much whatever. Um, versus if you're in a position where you're comfortable, as you said, the ability to say no is, is really the, the big idea of the leverage here, correct? That's absolutely correct. And, and it's interesting because just recently I've started asking people the question, you know, about uh, when they have made changes in their career, I asked them, you know, were you looking or, or were you actually a recruited uh, candidate when you took that job? Mm-hmm. And if they say, well, I was actually looking, I then ask them, would you have taken that job if you were happy, you know, prior, for, prior to applying for it? And they say, probably not. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because, um, and sometimes they say, you know, sometimes they'll say yes, but I mean, it's just, um, you know, it's people are going to do, th- I mean, if you have a family and, you know, you have bills to pay, you know, there's also the pride factor uh, of having a job and, and making a living. Life is short. Why, you know, why not uh, throw your, you know, at least see what else is out there and keep your options open as long as it's done on a very confidential basis with with a recruiter that you know and trust. Um so then if we're, if we're looking at this again and wrapping it up, so to speak, in terms of if you are someone that's listening and, and they are in a position where they're, they're comfortable, they're happy, they're not necessarily looking, but they do get that phone call from a recruiter uh, or someone like yourself, what is just a general piece of advice you would give for them to be prepared ahead of time so that they're not kind of caught off guard and not sure what to do, but that they could fully explore this opportunity and, and be ready for that situation? What, what could you offer up? I would just make sure that when you do have the conversation, you're in a setting where you have privacy. Maybe do it after hours. You don't always have to talk to a recruiter during work, mm-hmm. but just make sure you're in an environment where you can be you know, open and, and you you're obviously protecting your confidentiality and your privacy. But other than that, I mean, you know, know who you're talking to, know the recruiter, understand, you know, ask them questions like, have you ever recruited anyone out of my company before? Hmm. If so, you might know them, 
you know, and, and you can kind of get some, uh, you know, you got to worry about this from a confidentiality standpoint. You don't want to, you don't want people to know you're talking or engaging, you know, with a recruiter. So you got to be very careful, but just find out as much as you can about the recruiter before you call them back. I mean, I, I typically, I will try to do as much research as I can, you know, on somebody that I'm calling right. for the same reason. It just takes some time to, to think about really want to, where you really want to go in your career. And then when you talk to the recruiter, just try to find out whether or not this is really somebody that can help you get there. Um, you know, or is this just a recruiter that just calls people and, and pitches jobs at them and they're just trying to fill a slot? Um, I mean, there's a big difference between those two type of recruiters. Well, that'll just about do it for us here on Minding Your P's and Q's. We've been talking with Jerry Land about recruiters, passive candidates, and really why uh, at least you should have an open mind when people are bringing up the opportunity for another job elsewhere. Jerry, what is the best way for people to find out about you and your work? Uh, They're more than uh, welcome to go to my website, which is www.jp. And then land, L-A-N-D, and it's at .net. So uh, jpland.net. All right, great. Well, thanks a lot for bringing us your insight today. Good luck, everyone. And for all the listeners, please keep coming back to get your dose of knowledge here on Minding Your P's and Q's, part of localjobnetwork.com radio. If you have any comments or suggestions for the show, email us at ljnradio at localjobnetwork.com. Until we speak again, I'm your host, Tim Muma.